0: Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. What a special week and a special night we have for you tonight as we introduce a horse racing icon to the show. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen right there. We have a tremendous amount of viewers that are going to be watching tonight, but we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe to the channel. Also hit that notification bell at the bottom of the screen. So you'll know when new content and new shows will arrive and also smash that thumbs up button. That'll tell YouTube that this is a great podcast to watch. Of course, you can follow me on my name tag there on Twitter at hkravitz. And on the scroll on the bottom of the screen, you'll see my email hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Before we bring on our special guest and my co-host, a few quick reminders, of course, you can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor if you cannot catch the show live or viewing it. Also, we know that we're gonna have a lot of questions in the live chat tonight, as we should on the top right hand side of the screen. If you are watching this show right now on uh, through Twitter, I highly recommend you go to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and in the search bar type in HHH Racing Podcasts and Go through YouTube so that you can type in questions for the wonderful uh, Tom Durkin. We'll be taking questions from you viewers and comments throughout the show. Also, we have a very successful and popular race day blog. It's basically a tip sheet that comes out on Saturdays. It's been very uh, lucrative. It's very inexpensive. Highly recommend you check out the race day blog tip sheet. Just look below the video player. In the description, you can find out how to sign up for the Race Day blog. Uh, and this month is going to be special with a lot of great stake races throughout the country. And last but not least, we have a website uh, that we've had up for a few weeks now, but I want to make sure we promote that. It's simply racingpodcast.com. Again, our website, HHHRacingPodcast.com. We have uh, sample videos, sample Race Day blogs. We have pictures from our trips, information about myself and my co-host. It's just a great uh, website to go to to find more about the HHH Racing Podcast. Highly recommend you do so. Uh, Let's go ahead and bring in my co-host first, as our special guest is waiting in the background, and we'll bring him on in just literally about one minute. First, let's bring on my great co-host from Maryland. He's very excited to be here, as well as am I, to talk about our special guest tonight, it's Pete Visco. Pete, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm good, Howard. How's it going?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, real quick before we got our guest favorites, uh Tom Durkin memory or race call. Do you have one?
1: Oh, I have one, but I'm gonna keep it in my pocket until until, right. until Tom comes on, so I can I can see if he comments on it as well.
0: Well, I we I've done my deep dive, I've done my homework, I've actually had the pleasure, as you know and a lot of people know, of meeting Mr. Durkin, for the first time about uh, two weeks when I was in Saratoga. He took us on a great tour of the museum. So thankful uh, for him uh, for doing that for us. So it was a real pleasure. And uh, I know we've had a lot of people excited to have uh, Tom Durkin on. So let's see who's here waiting in the chat. And then we'll bring on Tom. We've got already we have Phil Conti, who's already here. Katie, Katie, welcome to the show. She's ready to go. Christine Race, fantastic uh, viewer of the show racing downwind very excited for the interview and of course uh a lot of people are so let's not uh, we got charles b just chimed in again please make sure you comment in the live chat uh ladies and gentlemen let's not wait any further i could i could take half an hour introducing uh this gentleman he's a legend he's an icon uh he has been he was a race caller for many many years through nbc naira many different tracks Actually called races in many different countries as well. He is my personal favorite. I know he's many of your personal favorites. There have been many great race callers in the history of horse racing. But he has to be, if not near the top, the very best. It is my absolute pleasure to bring on live from Saratoga Springs, the incredible Mr. Tom Durkin. Tom, how are you doing tonight, sir?
2: I'm fine. I mean, if I can live up to that uh, intro, I <laughs> He's take it down in our chart. Come on. <laughs> well, it, it's all
0: absolutely true. I just want to once again echo, Tom, how thankful myself and my three other, um, uh, the p- three other people who were on a trip with Saratoga, uh, Matt Miller, uh, Joe Metcalf, and Brad Anderson. If you recall, you took us on a journey through the museum about two weeks ago. Uh, it was just the four of us. It was an absolute a pleasure. We were so happy that you were feeling okay enough to, uh, to be there and take us to the museum oh, tour. Um, I know yeah. that's a very special thing you enjoy doing, isn't it? Yeah, I
2: got I, I you were talking about feeling uh, good. I'm still not in very good voice. I got I grabbed uh I had to go to back to the Midwest for a funeral about 3 weeks ago and it turned out to be a covid super spreader and man yeah. that me out. And um <clears throat> I was in the house for a couple of weeks. But you guys were the were the were the my uh, guinea pigs to see if I could okay. make the <laughs> through the tour, but uh, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy giving those tours. Uh, we do it most racing days at Saratoga, and um, I, I love being a tour guide. I, I just I just really enjoy doing it.
0: Well, the museum's fantastic. We really really appreciate you coming on to the podcast tonight, Tom. I know you don't probably do a lot of podcast or whatnot so i'm just we're all honored and privileged to have you on i have several uh, questions we want to ask you i do have some surprises as well that i'm sure you're going to enjoy also um, <laughs> well <laughs> i'm sure you'll enjoy them on unless, the bottom of the, unless it's a girl coming
2: out of a birthday cake I, you know. um,
0: i'm not sure i can do that for you <laughs> <laughs> that's I'll behind
1: start. you tom it's it's coming behind you don't don't turn around yet
0: <laughs> i'll see what i can do about that um, and also, there're gonna be questions on the bottom of the screen once in a while, Tom, from myself and also viewers. I'm sure there're gonna be a lot of questions for you, viewers uh, that are watching live. I know you have a lot of questions for Tom. If you could hold off on your questions just for a little while till the second half of the show, and we'll ask Tom as many questions as possible. Again, his time is valuable. But if you, I would appreciate, Tom, Thomas, freedom, back of course, worked in eight years. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a retired bum. What? <laughs> By the way, I could not believe it was eight years when I when I went back and did some research and I've been a fan line I just cannot believe that condo Commando was eight years ago. It's just incredible how time flies but Tom, let's go through a quick journey of the beginning of your life and the beginning of your career. I was very happy to. I knew this before I did my research. I live right outside of the Chicago I live in the Chicago area in the northern uh, suburbs and I was very happy to know that you uh, grew up in the uh, Chicago area. Tell us a little about growing up and uh, how you got involved in horse racing in the first place.
2: Yeah, well, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, and um, <clears throat> I used to, you know, uh, go to the track, and uh, the uh, the great announcer in Chicago for decades was a guy named Phil George F. I mean, he was my idol, and uh, I wanted to be Phil George F. from a pretty young age, so uh, I used to do my Phil George F. imitations, and <laughs> then it turned into an act where my I'd stand up on the bar when I was in college and uh, my friends would run around the bar and they were the horses and I was Phil George F and uh, uh, and I really didn't waste much time uh, pursuing any other career path Uh, uh, it's a bit of a pipe dream if you want to if you're growing up and you want to be a racetrack announcer because you know, there's probably only 30 in the entire country, you know, on the continent for that matter. So, uh, one thing led to another and got very lucky.
0: Uh, where your horse is spitting on the spinning around the turn, as Phil enough <laughs> would love to say, that was his main
2: thing, correct? Every, every race, here they come spinning on the turn. He was so energetic, so fun, so exciting. And you would listen to other announcers, uh, from that era and prior to that, and they they sound like ticking clocks and Phil Jeff was this gigantic ball of energy. And uh, he seemed to me to be what horse racing was about. Uh, you know, uh, he was uh, uh, here. I didn't know he, uh, I analyzed Phil George. Jeff, you grew up at Balmoral. I worked at Balmoral uh, park, but Phil, he, you got to know a little bit about the geography of Chicago. Uh, he called the races at Arlington in the afternoon, and then he would drive to Belmoral to call the harness races at night. Belmoral, well, with traffic now, that's yeah. a, a, two and a half hours. Yeah. It's, it, for those who don't know, Belmoral's in
0: Crete, Illinois, which is extreme southern suburbs of Chicago. It's a, yeah, it's a it's hike. very close to Indiana. Very close. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the traffic these days, especially, what he did was just absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, Balmoral is, is no longer as well as Arlington Park. That's a whole other discussion that we're not going to get into. We'll, but, we'll uh, not go there tonight. No, we're not going to go there tonight. But uh, Illinois, we still have Hawthorne, uh, of course, and and a few uh, tracks downstate. Um, after that, so you, you went to St. Norbert College, which some people might not know, which is in Wisconsin. And you were a theater major. Well, I have about your...
2: to know that St. Norbert was known as the Brown, as the Harvard of Brown County, Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> of course. <laughs> and t- Talk about your decision to become a theater major. And I know you were in some uh, plays and
2: musicals and whatnot there, correct? Yeah, I, I was not a very good student. In fact, uh, and, and this is not an exaggeration, it took me 52 years to graduate from college. I'm not <laughs> I went there five years. I was a bad, I I just did, I was not a good student, you know. Um, In high school, I was pretty good. But in college, you know, uh, just, you know, whatever. If, you you know, Animal Farm comes to mind, you know, that's. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I I wound up being a a theater major. And it really helped um, out my ability to call races. Uh, I kind of looked at every race as a bit of a drama, getting up in front of people, uh, was not a problem. Uh, I grew to enjoy public speaking. Uh, but just to get back to the 52 year reference, I went, I went to Sydney for five years and I still didn't graduate. I was two courses short. Then I started working and, uh, three years ago, I decided, you know what, let's, you know, you're such a bum. Why don't you go get your degree? <laughs> so I was two courses short. So I went to the local community college, Adirondack Community College, took two courses, got A's in both, my first A's in my college career. And uh, I got my degree. They transferred back to St. Norbert. And uh, in May of 2019, I walked across the stage at St. Norbert and got my degree, 52 years after I started. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Uh. Did uh, by the way, Pete, feel free to bring up. Uh, I'm obviously looking at many things. Feel free to bring up any uh, comments you'd like, Pete, at appropriate times. Um, did being a theater major, Tom, help with your vocabulary? You're such a great, extensive vocabulary. It's one of the many things we loved about you as a racetrack announcer. Was was that part of your? Uh, growing in your you're your building your vocabulary or did you just like to read a lot when you were younger what where, where, where do, you, do you attribute that to
2: no uh, uh, younger uh, you know I suppose I read as much as anybody else um, as far as vocabulary goes in theater not not much uh, but I'm Irish we like to tell stories and <laughs> the medium of a story are the words and so I wrote, I had a book uh, that I would jot in notes about race calling and whatever. And uh, actually, uh, you might appreciate this, Howard. I called it uh, The Mayor Daily. Oh. Um, Daily wow. was the mayor of Chicago uh, for <laughs> decades. Which one?
1: <laughs> yeah, the
2: first one. I, I actually went to the city during my summers. And uh, so I had a picture. He was, he was another one of my idols. So I had a picture of him on front of this notebook. And it just, the Mayor Daily had, Um, words to describe races. And so there's a word you can use to describe a fraction. Fast. That's a pretty ordinary word. I think I had at at the end about 60 words that were versions of fast. Uh, And so um, I, I enjoy a good word. You know, I really do. Uh, I had uh, my words for slow went from tepid to somnambulant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are varying degrees of fast, varying degrees of slow and and other words to, well, uh, you referenced, uh, Howard, my last call, uh, the Spinaway. And so it was a muddy day. And um, I had and I read my book pretty much every day. Uh, it took about 45 minutes to read it, and I kept those words in my subconscious. Just, you just have to do that to keep them in there. And uh, so I had a section of the book that had mud calls and different things that you could say in different situations with the mud. And uh, two of the words I had in there, uh, they're called neologisms. Uh, neologism is a word that you make up, new word. Uh and I had two of them, uh, among many other words. Uh, one was magnificent, <laughs> and the other was splash-tastic. Uh, and once I used a word that I, I didn't want to use again, I just wanted to keep it, I would cross it out. Uh, one of those words was sublime, which I used to describe uh, uh, Smarty Jones uh, winning the derby. And I crossed that out, never used it again. So about a month before I retired, magnificent, and I used that on a muddy track, and I crossed it, I wasn't it. And and then it just happened to be uh, that my last call, uh, when Condo Commando came, you know, through Stretch all by herself, and uh, uh, back here was that word that I had written in my book that I had read every day, and there was Splash Tastic -tastic, uh, back here, and I was able to elocute that. Um, and put yeah. a line through it. <laughs> yeah, he was
0: splish splashing down the uh, <laughs> good,
3: down man. the
0: middle of the track. Uh, I've had the great pleasure, Tom, of having many race callers actually on this podcast. Uh, I've had John G. Dooley, Vic Stauffer, uh, Paul Allen, who's a fantastic announcer from uh, Canterbury. I wanted. To, I have some snippets I'd like to uh, play for you. This first one's going to be um, from. Vic Stauffer, who had some very nice things to say. And he talked about that notebook that you just sort of referenced to. So just give me a second. I'm going to go ahead and bring that up. I am the uh, editor. I'm the producer. I do a lot of things here. So let me share the screen. I'm just going to play just a quick min- a quick uh, snippet here from uh, the show when Vic Stauffer was on talking about your vocabulary. Let's take a listen.
3: I got a job at, at Gulfstream Park. A couple of weeks after I started, a lady came up
2: to me and she said, You know, you sound a little like Tom Durkin. And I said, You know, there's a reason for that. She said, Why is that? I said, Because I'm not good enough to sound exactly like Tom Durkin. <laughs> um,
3: the greatest announcer that ever lived. And if there's another 500 of us, it wouldn't be close. <laughs> the best. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sorry to interrupt your story, but CJ is a big fan of ours. He watches the show. His favorite race. All right. So anyway, I'll, I'll go ahead and stop it right there. But uh, Vic Stoffer said a lot of really nice things about you and uh, tried to imitate you, as I think many can, but very hard to do. <laughs>
2: Correct, Tom. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, I, 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 <laughs> I, I take compliments. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't Absolutely. Them. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, he 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 loved
0: everything that that you did and and said many nice things. Um. Now, what, what, you called, I, I could not believe this, and I always thought about asking how many you can name, but I don't want to do that to you. Um, according to my research, and like I said, I'm listening to you a long time, but I but I, I deep dive. This is like the 60 minutes of horse racing, uh, uh, Tom. 50 tracks, more than 50 tracks in more than six countries is what I read. And the six countries sort of blew me away. Can you uh, expound a little bit on the different countries you've called races in?
2: Well, I called it the United States. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. Uh-huh uh canada trinidad and tobago oh england ireland france and austria uh that's about it oh so it's more wow
1: how did, how, how, oh sorry i was gonna say how did how did that come about where you went to those other countries were they just for specific events or was it for you know something longer term sure i
2: did uh, I, when i worked for mbc uh called the irish derby mm-hmm. eight or nine times uh, on ESPN, I called a race in England, Linkfield racetrack one day. Uh, I called the Arc de Triomphe or five times for NBC. Uh, Frank Stronach asked me to come over to Austria. He owned a racetrack there to call the Austrian Derby. Uh, I went there. Uh, you know, so, and then I, and then, uh, you know, Canada for the Breeders' Cup and what for have the you. Bottom, yeah. of
0: course. Right. Now, uh, your your race, you uh, you called races starting in 1971, and you worked also for the DRF. You were a chart caller for what Cahokia and Thistle is that correct, Tom? And you you were you just you were like anyone
2: else. You had to work your way uh, up up into the big league, so to speak. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I worked at uh, Thistledown as a call taker, not a chart caller, but a call taker. Okay. Uh, Uh, And uh, a chart caller is a guy that basically, he he does what a racetrack announcer does, but he has to do it to put it in chart form. So they call much faster than track announcers do, because he's got to go through the field at the quarter, go through the field at the half, and with the margins and and whatever. And when he did that, I had to jot it down and sort of like shorthand uh, to make a chart out of it. So I did that. Uh, for about a year, at uh, I, I worked at Fiserv for just a couple of weeks. Then I went to uh, Cahokia Downs in Fairmont Park in Southern Illinois, and then uh, I got to know the people at Cahokia, and they knew I wanted to be an announcer. So uh, the following year, they uh, hired me as the announcer there. Where Dave wow. John started
0: <laughs> Wow! I mean, it's just it's incredible how just everything just works out for you. Um, and I know we're, we're not going through your whole life story, but uh, then the, the opportunity at NBC and Naira came a little bit later. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, the NBC opportunity came along to start calling uh, these big races called the Breeders' Cup, which was
2: a new concept that I think stunned out pretty well? <laughs> what happened with that was uh, I was the announcer at the Meadowlands, but I was a harness announcer. And I was Dave Johnson's backup during the thoroughbred season. Uh, but during the winter, I worked at Hialeah, the thoroughbreds. So uh, the Breeders' Cup comes around. And, you know, Dave Johnson was a shoo-in for the job. But he didn't necessarily want to be the caller. He wanted to uh, be more of a host and what have you. So, uh, which he was, uh, turned out to. And then, so they were going to. Hire another announcer whose name I won't say, and uh, Arthur Watson was the president of uh, NBC Sports at the time. He's a harness fan, and I was the, the announcer at the Meadowlands. He lived in northern New Jersey. He used to go there all the time. And said, "Well, you know, let's let's give this guy a, a look at," and then uh, got the job. At, at, I was actually, my name was actually Tom Hu at that time. (laughs) Wow.
0: Well, you were, you were pretty well known after that. And we could, I know a lot of people are going to want to hear many calls. We could go through 50 different race calls tonight. We're not going to do that. I have a few in mind that we're going to play some snippets of. I know that, you know, asking your favorite race calls, like asking who's, you know, a parent who's their favorite child, but uh, in the Breeders' Cup races specifically, I, I've always curious did you enjoy calling the dirt races more? The turf races was one easier, more than the other. Obviously, there were big fields in both types of races, sprint, uh, route. Was there anything in particular that you really looked forward to? Or was it all about the
2: horses that were that were running in, in the particular races? Yeah, not really. I mean, you know, I just like the good storyline to work with. You know, a little bit harder to do in a sprint race, you know, when you got 14 going six furlongs. And you can, you know, you just have to get the – the basics out there, uh, but uh, no, I didn't have any really real preference for any type, no.
0: And then talk about how the Naira position, of course, you started in New York in 1990, um, all the way till 2014, uh, 14, of course, with condo, ending with condo commando. Talk about your journey
2: into into Naira. Uh, well, one day, you know, they gave me a call and said, Would you like to come over? We'd like to talk to you, and yeah, sure. <laughs> <You can. laughs> You know, uh, and, um, they hired me, God bless them, Jeremy McEwen, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the Alan Jargon, who was the chairman at the time. And, uh, you know, that changed my life quite a bit. Hey,
1: yeah, hey he's- oh, sorry. I was gonna say, Hey Tom, what, what years were you at the Meadowlands? Just curious. 82 to 90. That's funny because, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, your voice always sounded so familiar. That's when I spent, I grew up in North Jersey as well. So I spent, I started going when I was five, which would have been about 1976 or so. So I spent all my time at the Meadowlands. So Got it probably was just ingrained me in me my old. head.
2: Yeah. You're making me feel really old. <laughs> hey,
1: I'm, I'm getting up there too, man. It's not, it's not just you. But the
2: the, the, the harness racing at the Meadowlands at that time was, Fantastic! I mean, oh, it, was, it was unbelievable. It was the best of the best. It was really exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, that- I would. I always tell Howard and and the people on the show. I'm like, I, I grew up. Those races were more exciting to me. Like I cared more about the big, the big harness races than I did even about the bigger probably the big thoroughbred races at that time. I mean, Meadowlands pace or Hamiltonian day. Those were, those were the days that I remember. I, we, yeah. We were talking about, I was remember just being there, which I, I, I don't know if the years overlap. It might've been a little later, but maybe when they started breaking like the one fifty barriers in, in harness racing, now they're going ridiculous. I can't even believe the times they go now, but um, you may have been the calls for some of those that we were there for these really special nights. I have like a, a, a picture behind me of my favorite harness horses, and all of them were from the Meadowlands days.
2: It was great stuff.
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Pete, Pete, did you bet on a Jack Moiseev perhaps back in the day?
1: Of course. Of course.
0: (laughs) One of the best. Yeah, Yeah. By the way, a lot lot of uh, great harness drivers started um, at Maywood, not too far from me, that are currently some of the best in the world, Timmy Tetrick, uh, et cetera. We could get Andy Miller, et cetera, et cetera. And the Hamiltonian for those, of you, for your harness fans out there is, is this weekend. There's going to be a huge favorite. That's, that's going to be starting right. on the rail, by the way, Re- rebuff. Is that cause I, I like harness as well. That's gonna be very uh, tough to beat. very talented. Uh, a trotter. Um, Tom, I, I wanted, you know, today's announcers and, and I you know, obviously I don't want to put you on the spot about individual announcers, but are there certain um, things that you really enjoy about some of the announcers you hear now or are there some aspects you'd like to perhaps, you know, people calling a little bit differently or improve on? Again, we don't mention names, but are there certain things about race calling that you listen to now that you really, really enjoy or you really sort of wince? You're like, ooh, I don't really like that.
2: Well, I don't do the ooh, you know, uh, but. Yeah, I wish there was, you know, if Phil F was so original, he was, he didn't sound like anybody. And he brought his own particular quirky kind of view to it. Uh, And, uh, you know, and and, and there are other Nazis who, you know, just bring their own personality and point of view uh, toward things. Uh, So, you
0: know, I, I, I just enjoy that. Uh, one of the sort of quirky announcers original is Paul Allen. I'm assuming you're familiar with mm-hmm. him. He's been calling for a long time. He started at Bay Meadows in California. He's been at Canterbury Park, which, by the way, is a fantastic track that I had the pleasure of being out for the first time. He's a big admirer of yours, and he was also on my show. And I asked him what his favorite race call all time was. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up his uh, – opinion of the favorite call of yours and then we're going to watch a little bit of it if you don't mind so we bring up again this is paul allen from last year fantastic race track announcer typical paul allen if you know paul tom just you know kicking it back very casually uh but this was paul allen talking about his favorite race call not of yours just his favorite race call uh ever uh and here's what's up oh, hold on i want to make sure i'm sorry i want to make sure i put on the sound let me whoop, let me check that one more time. I apologize. Okay, now we've got the sound on there. All right, so this was Paul Allen talking about his favorite race call.
3: I'm in a while, sadly, but um, you know, Trevor, Trevor would hit me with, "I like this," "I don't," "Don't." But bottom line is, I started at Bay Meadows, and I was trying to be Trevor, and it just wasn't working. And Mr. Lebow you know, stuck with me for 94. And then, and then I got hired at Canterbury and, you know, it all kind of took off in Minnesota. But, um, you know, just with, you mentioned Tom Durkin and I don't get, you know, having, having called races as long as I have, not like Vic Stoffer, he's called them longer and so on, you know, but 30 some odd thousand races, 37,000, 30 ish years um, from San Francisco to Minnesota. You know, I don't get asked enough like what my favorite race call is. And, and maybe people in my profession don't, because if I did, I would point them to Tom Durkin. The the year Cigar won the Breeders' Cup Classic and he beat Le Carrier, Soul yep. of the Matter. Can't remember, 96, 95, whatever. Yep. You pick that thing up at the three-eighths ball when Durkin, Cigar's moving so fast Durkin's going through the field and he's so dramatic. He's just so theatrical. I just love him. And blah, blah, blah. Free prolongs it goes to go, <laughs> And he makes his move. And, you know, then he carries us to the top of the stretch and he's just dressing it up. And he gets caught because I know this game, he gets caught not taking a breath at the eighth pole. <laughs> so, it, it down by the sixteenth now, and and Jerry Bailey, the way Durkin was just ex- exasperated because he missed that breath, is like calling on cigar for everything he has, and it just stretches out. And yeah, from the three eighths on, that cigar Breeders Cup Classic, that is the best patch of race call ever created.
0: The incomparable, Boom. unbeatable, Baba buh- buh- Cigar. How about but that? The- uh, how about that? It must be feel good, Tom, to hear another uh, fantastic race call. He's been doing it a long time, uh, recalling uh, his favorite call uh, and <laughs> happy one It
2: sure does, absolutely. <laughs> uh,
0: do you remember, you know, that was a very special day. Is there anything in particular you remember about uh, that race? I'm going to go ahead and, and pull it up here in a minute. We'll just show the uh, a patch of race that
2: he's talking about. Yeah, well, um, as I mentioned before, I had different words for... you know, uh, synonyms and what have you. And uh, so Cigar uh, was trying to uh, finish an unbeaten season. He was going for 11 for 11. It wouldn't be nice if forces raced at least 11 times. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I had all sorts of words that I wrote down for unbeaten. And because I just didn't want to say he's unbeaten. I wanted to say something else. So I crunched all those words back into the subconscious, put them in my book, read it every day for months. And so, But you said incomparable, and most people thought I said incomparable. I said unconquerable. Ah, okay, I'm sorry about Uh, that. (laughs) And that was another word. No, no, everybody uh, just sounds like uh, incomparable. But uh, three of the words I had for unbeaten, were unconquerable, invincible, and unbeatable cigar. And so they're coming down to the finish, and he's gonna win. He's out there by uh, by himself, and I've got plenty of time to stretch it out. So I, I had time for more than one word. I had time <laughs> for three. So that's how it became unconquerable, unbeatable, un- invincible.
0: Uh, Let's take a look, folks, at the – we're going to watch a last minute of that race. Uh, Tom, I know you've seen this a thousand times, but we have some younger viewers on the show that might not have seen this. And whether you've seen it or not, ladies and gentlemen, it was just a fantastic moment in horse racing history. This is Tom Durkin calling the 1995 Breeders' Cup Classic with Sagar. A break of three to Jed Forrest, followed by Tenner's Way. Concern is
4: still last. Three for longs to go. Cigar! Cigar makes his move! And he sweeps to the lead with a dramatic rush with three furlongs to go. And Jerry Bailey turns him loose and he guides him down to the rail as the field turns for home. Unaccounted for it down inside a quarter of a mile between Cigar and a perfect season. Coming down to the last furlong with a two and a half length lead. And Jerry Bailey calls on Cigar for everything he has. Look, is awakening second on the inside on the comment board on the outside solo of the manor. And here he is, the incomparable, <laughs>
2: invincible,
4: unbeatable cigar. He has won it. And look at this time over this racetrack, 159 and
0: 2. He- I mean, it was an incredible effort and very fast. It was a very dull racetrack that day, correct, Tom?
1: Yeah, uh,
2: there was a question as to, uh, 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 a little bit after uh, you, you cut the video there, uh, there was a question as to whether Cigar would be able to run in the mud. And uh, he certainly proved that he, he could that day. You know. uh, I, I think the the, the, the uh, run out of the call was uh, he beat all the horses today, including Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> Just,
0: It was a great call. I mean, there's so many unbelievable breeders cup calls we i mean sunday silence easy go or gulfstream was actually my first breeders cup classic that i uh saw i was not uh, i i sort of got late in the game myself tom as a fan i actually started as a harness fan and didn't really get into horse racing until you know my later years in, in high school and that was the first breeders cup classic that i can recall uh watching on tv yeah, it was
2: a good one oh.
0: Easy Goer and Paul, we talked about. who did we talk about that race with? I'm trying to remember. I think you're the one that said you watched that a million times, right, Pete? Oh, well, it's
1: funny. So Easy Goer you...
0: still never got there,
1: right? Yeah, I'm going to point the wrong way. That big picture right there is Easy Goer winning the winning the Belmont. But oh. I had I had a list of my four favorites, and that one was on the list because I've it's probably the race I've watched the most. Even though Easy Goer is my favorite, and I've always despised Sunday Silence just because he beat him so many times. And so that was on my list. I was going to ask and say, did you um, when you were watching that race and you were watching them down the lane, did you have a thought that easy goer might get them, or were you just trying to I mean, it was an exciting race regardless. But were you trying to gin up the excitement or did you think, hey, he might have a shot at this last, you know, whatever, 16th it looked like?
2: Well, uh, the thing about that was it was a two horse race. That was that was that was the point. Of the race. That was the central focus of that drama. Now you recall, as you've got the picture of, Easy Goer won the Belmont, <laughs> uh, and he, he won a lot when he ran against Sunday Silence. I watched those races leading up to it, you know, a thousand times. And Sunday Silence was a smaller, more nimble, quicker horse around the turns
1: killed them on the turns every single time easy goer
2: because he was so big and long striding he was compromised when they ran around the turns so if you watch that race they go around the first turn sunday silence spurts away they go down the back stretch and when it's straight easy goer gains ground on them they go around the turn sunday silence spurts away they come in the stretch and whatever so um yeah i kind of kind of knew he would be be coming at the end and um you know just the the result was terrific i thought
1: yeah well i mean it was it was awesome I, I read one of the i think it was the DRF i think you might have either wrote it or sort of verbalized it and you you talked about that where it was hey don't somebody gave you some advice saying look don't complicate this race <laughs> it's the two horses and you said oh, i think your quote was you focused on them and even your call was about them the whole race and
2: yeah, and that that was that was the story, you know. Yeah, uh, blushing was a blushing John, I guess, or blushing groom.
1: Blushing it, John, uh, yeah, of
2: course. But uh, it, it, that was the. <laughs> <laughs> so right before the race, they they throw it up to me, and uh, and usually I have something in the back of my head to say, as I pad for the horses going in, or I might want to set up. The story is, you know, whatever. And so uh, I had it in my head to say uh, for that particular race. And I, it's, I thought it was a pretty good line. I go here. I was going to say, here they are. It's the race of the year for horse of the year. Okay. And so Tom Hammond, the host of the show, throws it up to me and says, okay, Tom Durkin, here it is, the race of the decade. <laughs> 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 and but she, you know, race of the year it was kind of. <laughs> decimated by
1: that <laughs> you know it's so funny yeah because i remember the i remember you, you did you actually say it when you because i remember it sounded i remember that because i remember they always called it the race of the decade but i can't recall because i don't know if i watched the beginning as much i tend to watch the race i, I, I
2: wanted to say race of the year for horse of the year i don't think i did
1: but you didn't okay you you, you audibled on the last second that's <laughs> awesome though yeah that, that yeah it's, it's funny that's the race i have probably watched the most and i always say on this when we have these shows, I'm like, I still root for him to get up. And unfortunately he never does, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, but once
2: he got at, at Belmont park, you know, uh, with those big wide turns the and wide turns long yeah. ride, he was not compromised by the turns of a mile and a half racetrack at all. No,
1: not at all. Too bad. They only ran on that one once against each other. might've been a little closer.
2: <laughs> well, if you've Top- been on a go or too bad,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Tom, another one
0: of your favorite calls, and I think you've mentioned this. I think it's – I shouldn't say an underrated call, but it was not a triple-con race. It was the 2002 Test Stakes with you and Carson Hollow. Oh, I still remember that race to that this good. day. I was a, At that point, I was a bit of a younger racing fan, and just it was unbelievable just tried, coming up the rail. Just an incredible race. Didn't quite get there. We're going to show the last minute of the – and I bring this up also, Tom, because, of course, this weekend – uh, is the Test Stakes and the Whitney, yeah. of course. So I'm sure this 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 week of the year is always special for Saratoga fans. So let's bring up the 2002 uh, Test Stakes, and then actually um, I think we'll 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 have the sound on, and then you can talk a little bit as well about this call as well, one of my personal favorite calls, and I believe one of your favorite calls as well, the 2002 Test, a battle during the entire length of stretch between you and Carson Hollow. Favorite U is last. The favorite U
4: is last with three furlongs to go. The half and 44 and one-fifth seconds. They're moving toward the quarter pole. It's still Carson Hollow. Carson Hollow is the leader. Here comes Spring Meadow, Spring Meadow with a burst of energy trying to come on through in between horses. Oh, and she got shut off. You trying to squeeze through on the inside. Oh, a daring move there by Jerry Bailey. And on the far outside, proper gamble. Bold world in with a fighting chance. One furlong to go. And here comes you on the inside of Carson Hollow. And these two are nip and tuck. There's absolutely nothing between them. You's in so tight. Carson Hollow is unwavering. These two in a dramatic finish. It's a photo finish that doesn't deserve a loser. You and Carson Hollow in an absolutely thrilling renewal of the test stakes. Spring Mono was third. The final time was one minute, 22 seconds and four fifths.
0: What an unbelievable race that was, Durkin And and Jerry Bailey, just one of the best. Come up the inside. Any any, uh, distinct memories about that particular race or call?
2: Well, you know it. It, 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 it is well. Photo finish doesn't deserve a loser. I mean, it's it just uh, both of those horses were so incredibly uh, brave, and Carson Hollow ran fast all the way, and uh, and it, it took them a long time to separate those two with the uh, photo finish. It was, uh, uh, and and I remember uh, Carson Hollow came back. Uh, they had just posted. Uh, that you wrote, uh, used number on top, and and, it, it, and just about then Carson Hollow got back to the winner's circle, got a standing ovation for losing. That wow! Wow! Doesn't happen at the racetrack very often. No,
0: <laughs> I did not. I did not know that. Uh, one other call I just want to mention. We're not going to show it. Just another one that just brings tears to my eyes when I watch it. Is uh, Tisnow. Tiznow was one of my favorite horses. Of course, when he won in 2000. Um, 11 Tom in in the uh, Breeders' Cup at Belmont. One of our co-hosts, Paul Halloran, who's not uh, here tonight, was actually there, um, seeing unfortunately that the snipers on the roof. It was right after 9/11. And if Tiz now wins it for America, can you just talk a little bit about how emotional that race was and just the atmosphere of that day?
2: Well, it, 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 being in New York, I mean, it really hit home. Uh, that was the first international sporting event to be held uh, in New York City. Following that, um, I lived oh, literally a stone's throw from Belmont Park. And a lot of people from my neighborhood were firemen and uh, people that worked in the uh, Twin Towers because it was just outside of uh, Queens. And it was there was a, a, a Long Island Railroad station right there. And uh, from from my parish, Our Lady of Victory, thirty-three people from that neighborhood died at the World Trade Center. And all those weeks leading up to it, there were funerals, and uh, it, there was just a pall over that event. And um, and he was running against a horse, you know, from the Middle East. Uh, there was that, and there, and and but there was, and I don't think it was a jingoistic. Uh, statement it was it was the story you know
0: uh it was sock sorry it was sake correct we actually had won the arc I believe. Yeah. is that correct
2: yeah and yeah. uh uh anyway it, it just sometimes uh you know it's a story you got to go with the story and that and that the fact that 9-11 had just happened and that was a big part of the story and tis now was representing our country and it was just part of the story. Yeah, it was
0: just an incredible race. Tom, I have one more question for you. Then we're going to have our famous 10 uh, Minutes to Post segment on the show, which is 10 Fun Rapid Fire Questions. And and then uh, those of you at home, we will start taking questions from you shortly. So, again, please do not put them in the chat uh, quite yet. Those of you uh, watching uh, from home, uh, I'll let you know when, but we will be taking your questions shortly. Uh, Tom, everyone probably wonders, what are you up to now? Uh, I know you're still – very active, uh, you know, in the, in the horse racing uh, business. You you have been an owner in the past. Uh, do you do you go to the track often? Talk about uh, what you're doing these days.
2: Well, I do <laughs> go to the track. I mean, I live uh, just a couple minutes from uh, Saratoga. walked down Nelson Avenue. Uh, but I've been da- so damn sick with this COVID thing. I've, I've only been to the track. I think I've been there for three races so far this year. But I'm I'm getting wow. back. Well, I'll probably be out there tomorrow. Uh, if they it, it, it tomorrow, it's going to be very hot tomorrow, uh, it's right here. Uh, it's going to be 98 degrees, so uh, <laughs> let's hope they can get the the card in. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do a lot. Uh, well, during the racing season, I'm pretty busy, uh, here at Saratoga. Uh, MC a lot of events. Uh, the
0: Hall of Fame, which is coming up, correct? You like to Hall see that.
2: that? That's coming up on Friday. Um, right. You know, just uh, wind up doing a lot of emceeing. There's a lot of, a lot of charity events that go on. Horse racing charity events that go on at Saratoga. Uh, so I do a lot of those. Uh, do tours at the museum every racing day. Uh, I'm on a couple boards. Uh, the Backstretch Employees Assistance Team, Best. Uh, I work with them. Um, uh, the Empire Racing Club, and uh, you know, just a lot of a, a lot of stuff. None of which pays, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I uh, enjoy doing it. And um, they should and, pay you the museum oh, because you did
0: a great job on our tour.
2: They should pay you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love I love doing the tour. I do I, I, I do enjoy it. Um,
1: hey, How- uh, hey, Howard. I, oh, I was just saying. Go ahead. Never mind. You go ahead. I'll I'll jump in after.
0: Are you planning on being uh, a drunken Santa Claus again? You'll have to tell the viewers what I'm talking about, Tom.
2: Well, please please
0: mention that it was a play. <laughs> oh, it was? Play. Wait a minute. Let me check my notes. Oh, a play.
2: I'm sorry. We just
1: thought you that. were walking around the track like that, Tom. Come on. I, I must have misread. I'm just
2: kidding. Go <laughs> ahead. In a local theater. Uh, uh, yes, local theater of Miracle on 34th Street. I also was Mr. Macy, uh, oh. as well as uh, the Drunken Santa Claus. So, at uh, the community <laughs> theater. Play a couple of different uh, roles. Yeah, I wanted, I, 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 I enjoyed that. That was a couple of years ago, but I've, you know, I've been waiting to find a, a uh, part, you know, with the community theater here that, you know, I could play. I don't want to do any dramas. I like comedy and, uh, sure. uh, you know, the, the, there's just haven't really been any good parts for me. I can't sing, so that's <laughs> not all the music.
0: You know. If you're listening, give Tom a call. You also... Uh, Performed, I think, in front of uh, Philadelphia—is it Philharmonic, their orchestra? You, you did Philadelphia orchestra,
2: yeah. That was concerts
0: uh, yeah. with them, correct?
2: Yeah, I did uh, uh, two. Uh, I, I was a, a narrator during uh, uh, the, that, and that was a thrill. I'm in a, I'm a classical music weenie. I've been going to hmm. orchestral and symphony concerts since I was in high school, and uh, and to be on the stage with the Philadelphia Orchestra is, is quite a thrill for me.
0: Oh, I, I'm sure and. In- uh, by the way, uh, Tom also won the an Eclipse Award in, in 2015 as well. I could go through many of the awards. Tom, we're going to ask uh, – we're going to sort of not end the show, but get towards the end of the show with our very uh, quick popular segment. It is called 10 Minutes to Post. Ten minutes to post. There's going to be ten rapid-fire questions, Tom. You can answer them in, you know, 30 seconds uh, or less, and then we'll take uh, questions from the viewers. So, again, if you're watching at home uh, – be ready to ask some questions here right after our 10 minutes post segment, of course, Worthy, uh, incredible. I, I, I um, need
3: it
2: before I get, get into I'm, this. Okay. Go ahead there. What are we <laughs> drinking
0: tonight, Tom? What are we drinking tonight?
2: I'm drinking a, a Chianti Classico. Ooh,
0: very nice. Very nice. I am I'm, I'm drinking a, uh, Classico Aquafina. Uh, not, hey. I, I have to get some serotonin. Hey, we got to get them
1: as well, a, we got to get them as a sponsor. Are. Look cheers, at this. Cheers, What's going baby.
2: on? Cheers. <laughs> I, I, I used to live in Italy during the, uh, uh, <laughs> Winter months, and uh, I went to the, the local uh, store one day, and uh, I wanted to get some. Uh, then you can tell buy wine in the grocery. You can buy wine, you know, at every store there. The furniture store, you can buy wine, uh, and uh, so, I go, <laughs> and I and I compare the prices. the The wine was cheaper than the water.
1: <laughs> of course. Wow. And only Probably probably much more drank either as well, oh, too. Yeah. Definitely. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey,
0: Pete, if you have the chance to, I don't know if you're on your laptop, to take care of the, some of the comments that you, you oh. when you look at me, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, Tom, on the bottom of the screen, here we go. 30 seconds or less. Question number one, what was the first moment you fell in love with horses or
2: horse racing? The horse's name was Two Robin Hoods, and he paid $10.80 to win. Wow. Just first like time, still- the best.
0: Wow, very good. Uh, the best. This, I mean, this is an impossible question, but is there one particular, not a call, but an actual event that was the most memorable for that you attended?
2: Uh, I'd have to say the Arc de Triomphe hmm. uh, or the Irish Derby. Uh, I'm actually a citizen of Ireland, believe it or not. But uh, oh, wow! I uh, know that going over there uh, to call those races that, that was pretty big. Spig- I mean, when you're up in the announcers' booth and you look out over the infield and there's you know core and the Eiffel Tower that's that's pretty heady stuff
0: I have not had the opportunity but I'd like to uh someday Tom uh if you could go back in time and see one horse race in person that you weren't
2: able to view Secretariat's Belmont I was gotta be that one that day at the Wyga County Fair uh, wow <laughs> I couldn't go where where was that Tom wywega Wisconsin don't you know come on I'm, sorry, I'm not not familiar. Where is where is that in point oh, in western Jefferson? You know where Y Wing is? I... No, <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Sorry he's not a that. he's not
1: a real Midwesterner, Tom. He's I not guess, a real Midwesterner, I, I guess not a obviously. Midwesterner, yeah. no,
0: no. Um, Pete, I'll have you ask this question. Pete? Ah, what
1: was your goal for every race call?
0: Now, what I mean by that, Tom, is uh, did you did you make it a point to try to name every horse through the race? Make sure you named. Oh. You know who was winning at the top of the stretch? Where you want to make sure you got the first quarter time? Was there something in particular? No matter whether it was a, a twenty main claimer or a grade one, you're like, I may, I must make sure I do this.
2: Not screw race? it up. That was the. <laughs> I would use. Not, a that begins with F, but I would say not screw it up.
0: Well, I uh, I won't I won't play the code. Vic stoffer basically was. I asked him what his best advice that he ever got, and basically said, as long as you don't say F. During the broadcast, you've done a good yeah. job. That was basically his his particular goal. Tom, I also wondered the 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 timing of races has changed. They, of course, are now out to the hundredths of a second. If, if they, I don't know if I don't believe they had that when you called. No, officer. they did. At the, end,
2: they, the last four or five
0: years, they did. Okay, yeah. And, and I know you didn't believe in calling the decimals. You were good with just twenty two and one or twenty two and two. How do yeah. you feel about that in general? Well,
2: uh, first of all, I mean to say twenty two point nine two as opposed to saying 22 and four uh, people that are in general conversation about races just say oh you want to half and you know 44 and two yeah um, people don't normally in normal conversation, say forty he you know, want to happen forty four point you know six one uh, it just doesn't fall trippingly off the tongue. And, you know, there's that basic uh, uh, point that a, a fifth of a second is a length, you know. Uh, so I, I just kept it simple.
1: Pete, go ahead. The one call you wish you could do over again. Uh... If oh, there are any. Mind that <laughs> bird,
2: the Kentucky Derby. I mean, I, I, I
1: picked him up late.
2: Picked him up late. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I wish I could, could have had that one back.
1: Tom I wish I, I wish you never saw him at all. Cause I had pioneer the Nile. <laughs> I wish he never, I wish you never. Not alone that
2: well, you know, the, the thing about that, right. I knew I was going to screw it up right from the beginning because Windstar had four horses in that race. Wow. And I asked the uh, guy in charge at uh, Churchill, you know, what different color caps were they going to put on the four Windstar horses? He goes, I'm not changing them. And I go, like, well, <laughs> how am I going to tell the difference? How is anybody that bet on the race going to tell the difference? He goes, you know, those yeah. guys to get in the race, they can wear whatever they want, and it, you know, uh, so I had to keep my eye on four different Windstar horses, white silks, white cap, throw some mud in, and you you screwed up. I
0: mean, I mean, it's I, I wouldn't say you screwed up. I mean, it's impossible. Coincidentally, Tom, I just I had brunch. While I was at Saratoga, I was at an event, uh, and I met Travis Stone for the first time. And he talked about this year's, you know, Rich Strike call and how much it was just an absolute, you know, nightmare for him. And so I, I'm sure uh, you feel his pain because Rich Strike was also not easy to pick up coming up the inside there in this year's Derby at a huge price, so similar to yours. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, a few other quick questions I'd like to ask you: Bucket list track or race day event you'd like to attend? Either. Uh, In the United States or overseas?
2: Uh, I suppose I like to go to Ascot, you know, Hmm. my Irish self and paying homage to the uh, Queen aside. Uh, (laughs) But that seems like a pretty cool event. Uh, Pete,
0: I'll have you ask this question.
1: Uh, You have to win one race for $1 million as a racehorse owner. Which jockey in history do you want taking them out?
2: Angel Cordero. He was
1: the best. That's a good one.
0: How many how many racing titles did he have at Surat time? Thirteen.
2: You know?
0: Wow. Unbelievable. by Richard Meglory, by the way, who I'm a big fan of also won several titles, does a great job uh, on Fox. Um, we have three more questions, and then we're going to get to viewer questions. Are you okay with that, Tom, time-wise? Are you good? Yes, I'm fine.
1: I'm, I'm a retired. Thank
0: you. I don't have a job. What am I on? <laughs> Okay, well, listen. He's got to audition
1: for that for that play they're, they're doing for him <laughs> tonight. I
0: didn't know if you had to go to the wine cell and grab another bottle before we <laughs> keep going out here. Uh, are you more of vertical or horizontal better, Tom?
2: Uh, I am vertical. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes not even that. I, I just prefer button. Uh, actually uh, old school across the board stuff. I don't, I don't, you know, but I will, I do, uh, I'll bet exact as not so many trifectas, but exact as about as exotic as I get.
0: And of course, it's really important to watch race calls. They, they dedicated a, something at Saratoga in your name to watch replay the replay center. Is that correct, Tom? Yes. Yes. When I retired uh, Yeah. Yeah, which is really cool. I saw it. it was it, As someone who watches a lot of replays, uh, I thought that was, was really cool that, that Naira did that. Uh, two other questions, Tom. Your favorite non-horse racing sport event you've ever attended?
2: I saw the last two games of the Mets uh, 1986 World Series. Wow. wow. Uh, and I've, I've been to a couple Super Bowls, but the World Series uh, uh, did it for me.
0: Are you, a, are you a fan of a particular professional team that you like to follow?
2: I used to be a Cub fan until they traded away all three Hall of Famers.
0: <laughs> we won't, we won't get into that. They, uh, not but they won the World Series at least. They, they at least they did that. So you know, they did
2: that. But you know what? Anybody can have a bad century. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, last question, P. I'm going to have you ask this, and then we're going to start taking questions from the viewers. So again, those of you watching at home, I know some of you start asking questions. Um, you can go ahead and start putting questions in the live chat and we'll get to as many uh, as we can, but here's my last question for you. Uh, Tom,
2: actually Pete, go ahead.
1: The craziest, most unusual, most embarrassing moment while announcing a race.
2: Uh, I was uh, calling the Alabama stakes. It was on national TV at probably ESPN. I'm guessing. And, um, I have my on off switch to the track and then I have another microphone from the network and that on off switch is controlled from the truck. So the announcers booth at Saratoga it probably came when, with the timbers, when they built the place, <laughs> uh, a complete after that, actually there was no announcers booth at Saratoga for the first 80 years that were there. And um, it needed a little work and there were, Cracks in the uh, glazing of the windows and whatever, and bugs got in there. And I remember opening day. The guy uh, comes in and he starts sweeping off the the cobwebs. I go, no, no, don't not off the cobwebs. They 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 catch all the insects. <laughs> so uh, they're going uh, into the first turn of the Alabama, and when you start the race, you go, and they're off. And so when I go. Of half of a freaking moth. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh God! And I, and they're going into the first turn, and, ah. so I turn off my mic, and I go, ah, ah, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and it's not going out to the public, but it's going out to the country on TV. Oh Oh. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, what speaking
0: are you gonna, of that, speaking Ma- of that, you know, I've got Ma- no. I'm just, I'm just kidding, Tom. I don't have that one. <laughs> I don't have that video. <laughs> don't have that audio. That, that sounds absolutely awful. Well, Tom, before we, I show one more video at, to close out the show. This is the time those of you at home, if you have any questions at all for Tom Durkin. Again, we're not going to spend an hour. Tom's, even though he's retired and says he has all night, his time is valuable. We don't want to ask too much of his time. But any questions for Tom Durkin? Please now put them in the chat. Pete, let's just alternate. I'll just do one and then you'll do one. Pete, how's that sound? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll go uh, to the first one. Racing downwind um, has a question. Uh, they're all at the bottom of the screen. Uh, the 84 uh, Cup Classic DQ.
2: Yeah, I, I, I thought that was the right uh, choice. Uh, Wild again, uh, should have stayed up. Uh, Gate Dancer. Uh, yeah, I think he came in on uh slew of gold and uh, bumped him. Gate Dancer was a notorious head job. I mean, he was nuts. Uh, he had these blinkers on, and he had this white cowl with cotton in his ears. And yeah. Whatever. And then the next year, he loses by a nose again. <laughs> and then the year after that, Jack Van Berg loses the Breeders' Cup Classic by a nose with Ali Sheba. You talk about <laughs> bad beats.
0: Wow. And great training jobs, of course, at the, at the same time. But I do remember that. Well, uh, Pete, you have a question you'd like to ask from, we, we should actually say, because we have, uh, Tom, we have people that are going to be listening through Apple podcasts, Spotify and anchor
1: yeah, later. They're not going
0: to not gonna be able to see the bottom of the screen. So Pete why don't you ask the question, actually, uh, just so those people can hear it. Sure.
1: What was the strangest race you've seen or the first that comes to mind as being Strange. Mm,
2: strange uh strangest race um well those fog races were always fun where you couldn't see the <laughs> oh, yeah. if you're
1: gonna say that yeah
2: uh, and, and you just make make it up as you go along um gosh what the time uh, range uh, uh uh i don't know i i i nothing comes to mind.
0: it's not strange tom but i did bet on arg that day so i enjoyed i enjoyed that call that was that was fun <laughs> i had a feeling you might pull, pull that uh that that onomatopoeia out that, that was fantastic hey howard um, before
1: before you bring one up can i ask tom while well, i just thought of it one quick one hey tom is there a race call that people come up to you mistakenly and say, hey, I love that call, and it was someone else's. Is Does that oh, ever happen to you? absolutely. You know, they go,
2: hey, Tom Durkin, down the down stretch. Down the stretch they come, they come. yeah. <laughs> All the time. And it was funny, uh, for those that don't know, that was the trademark of uh, the great Dave Johnson. Uh, and so I was Dave's – Dave was the primo announcer in America for 20 years, uh, called the Derby Everything. Uh, and he was working at the Meadowlands and I was his assistant, uh, during the third bed meeting there. And so, uh, you have to imagine like Dave is, Dave is the primo guy and I'm just the new kid on the block shows up. And, uh, so I'm walking, uh, I am going to the elevator coming down, uh, at the Meadowlands and there's this guy who's looking at me and. Yeah, you know, go. I, you know. And you get the feeling that he, you know he might recognize me, even though I was, like I said, the new kid on the block. And the guy goes, I know you. You're not Dave Johnson. <laughs>
1: <That's awesome. laughs> hey, wow. he was right. He was yeah. right. That's something, right? I mean, I'm probably sure you've been said worse things to you in your life. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh Tom David has a question. He wants to know what's changed about horse racing for the better and, or for the worse, in your opinion, it doesn't uh, have to be just anything in general.
2: Uh, the breed, the breed is weak. Uh, the breed is not sound. Uh, they keep on breeding, uh, horses that don't last to horses that don't last. That's why we've got four five and six horse fields. That's why you never see a horse run, you know, 12, 15 times a year. Uh, uh, this falls at the feet of commercial breeders. Uh, you know, everybody's got to earn a living and they, they do what they do. But uh, uh, just a, a, a number of things that have, uh, uh, the breed just is just not sound. And, and they've got a they've got, it's so narrow, you know, all these horses are like into mischief. Into mischief, I think is the leading sire right now. What, he raced three times? Yeah, yeah,
1: I think it's, so. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's it, 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 it's a problem. The the small fields are are uh, certainly a problem. People well, I think problem,
2: we'll take because the horses don't last. The, the yeah, problem, they don't. The yeah. horses, you know, they run every um, five weeks instead of every two weeks.
1: Well, it's funny. It's fu- oh, sorry, Tom. guy
2: Or they're done.
1: Well, you don't, you don't get to see like one of your. I think one of the most famous calls you had was Ferdinand and Ali Sheba's. Breeders' cup classic and nowadays you barely would see you're not getting, you're generally not going to see two derby winners even make it you know make it to that next year to where they're both still racing at that point so you you sort of miss out on some of those natural or organic rivalries that you might have had yeah so
2: i don't i don't know that there's a way out to tell you the truth uh pete is there one other
0: question you see in the that will go ahead yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, go ahead, Pete.
1: How hard a call was it for you when Birdstone <laughs> won the Belmont? Your voice went so <laughs> low. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, two two points about that. I was a big Smarty Jones fan, and I actually thought he was going to win the Belmont by so much that he might win the race as much as Secretariat did, thirty-one. Wow. So the night before the race, uh, from the maintenance department, I got what's called a surveyor's wheel and it measures distance. So, uh, uh, all this research I did said a a length was 8.75 feet. And, um, so I marched off 31 of those and I put a little piece of red tape on the rail so that if, and when (laughs) Marty Jones wins, I can, Say he won by more than Secretariat. That's how good I thought he was. Jockey gave him a horrible ride. They went the third quarter of a mile and a half race in twenty-two and two, and that was that. Birds don't the race. And um, a few days before that, I got him Richard Sandomir from the New York Times. Came over to uh, write a preview of uh, the race and interviewed me. And, you know, i gave him the whole spiel about uh, how much I like Smarty Jones and whatever. And so uh, uh, I uh, uh, read the story the next day after uh, Birdstone wins, and the call one, and Birdstone wins the Belmont, that's okay. a certain one. So Richard Sandemir, who did a, a review of the show, said it was the most non-celebratory win call in sports history. <laughs> but it was great. I mean,
0: it, I think he, he, that's the great thing about your calls, Tom, in general, why so many people love you and your calls. It's just you you bring the emotion, you keep it real, you you, you know, you, you weren't carbon copies. You would have to believe that, you know, 75 percent whatever percent you'd like to throw out there of the country was feeling the same that you were at that point, in time.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's stories, and uh, you get involved in them.
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, P, was there one more question, or we want to just go to a final video?
1: No, actually, I, if you don't mind, I had I had two races. I just wanted to ask Tom while we, while we have them, just sure. so and get his take. Tom, the 1998 Breeders' Cup Mile, De Haas the call i assume you you remember the line i assume you remember the line obviously was that something you came up with on the spot or did you have that one in your back pocket just in case and for those who don't know it was the the greatest comeback since since lazarus was that a on the spot kind of thing i
2: i doubt it i mean i i probably had that down there because that was one of the he hadn't uh basically he hadn't run in two years. Yeah. Hey,
1: what would you have? One race, I think, and like yeah, those, yeah, in they, those they made
2: him run that race. They they won oh, they? he won the Breeders' Cup mile two years before and Michael Dickinson was training up to the Breeders' Cup Mile. And the people at the Breeders' Cup said, You you we're not gonna let you in the race because you don't have the points. And we're not gonna invite you into the race because they could invite four horses because you haven't you haven't run in two years. So he put him in some allowance race and he just walked around there and then they let him in. And of course, uh, you know, he wins, uh, he he wins and it was a tremendous comeback. And I probably had that written down somewhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was, it was back here. Still, that's a good, that's a great (laughs) poll.
1: That's a great poll.
2: Get married to what you're going to say. You know, I mean, you can't go into a race call thing. I'm going to say this, I'm going to do this because it never happens. But what you just have to do is just get all sorts of stuff back in your in your subconscious, so that you can draw upon it uh, if it happens. And that takes work. I mean, that takes repetition, constant feeding your subconscious. Uh, your subconscious ne- needs to to have um, constant reminders. You know, it's like like uh, tying your shoe. You can tell your shoe, you know how to do it. But the reason you know how to do it is because you've done it so many times.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a great point. All right. One more quick. One yeah. Issue. Just one more. This is, this is one of my favorites. so I just wanted to mention it. 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Arazi. <laughs> Did you, was that one of the, to me, it's maybe the, the best and most um, astonishing moves I've ever seen from a horse. And your call, cause I think you were I, and like, you do normally, you would say, Hey, this is going to probably be a match race eventually between Bertrando and, um, um, and Arazi and your call was, and Arazi runs right by him. And, and that's one of my favorite calls. Was that just, was it shocking to you at the moment that it, that he just sort of blew mm. by him like that? Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bertrando would uh, not that year, but he would go on to be a horse of the year. I mean, he was, yeah. a, he was a good horse. Um, And that was the the best two-year-old performance I've ever seen. And then he came back, he was just one of those horses that was a good two-year-old and didn't get better. You know, he came back and he was a bomb in the derby the following year.
1: It's funny because he made the same... He tried to make the same move because I, I was a real huge fan. I have a picture of him back there as well. <laughs> and I, I, when he made that move in the Derby, it looked like he was going to do the same exact thing and then he just completely flattened out. But that's still the... If you ask me what the most amazing performance was, I think that's still near the top of my list.
2: He was going so fast that centrifugal force uh, worked against him. He... <laughs> You know, he if, if you're going slow, you can go around a turn and, and hug the rail, uh, even if in your car. But if you're going really fast and you and you and that motion takes you around a curve, centrifugal force will take you away from the path that you're on originally. And he was going so fast, he came into the stretch in the eighth path.
1: Yeah, he was way out. Because just merely
2: because he was just going so damn fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I guess Go at ahead, Churchill
0: man. it was at Churchill also correct the juvenile mm-hmm. win yeah uh Tom before Thank we you. show uh thanks Pete for reminiscing on those calls before we show our last video and end the show uh Tom I wanted to get your opinion on something this weekend because of course uh there's a, a a big race and I know you obviously still follow horse racing uh who do you like in the Whitney so people can win some money
2: I really like life is good boy I mean he I mean he's He's just so impressive and and there's not a lot of speed in there. And it's a short field. If it does a happy saver, I think it's gonna scratch if uh uh it rains. Uh and it might rain. Uh tomorrow it's gonna be so damn hot here. It's gonna be ninety eight degrees. Yeah. Uh I think a
0: front's coming through and there's a chance of showers throughout the uh weekend on and off. It's
2: hard to say right now. Yeah. I mean all bets are off if it rains, but I mean like uh life is good, uh Oh, it's just, it's just, he was invincible. That's going to be a great race. And
0: Olympiad is a real nice Olympiad, horse. yeah. I mean, Olympiad's a terrific horse. As yeah. well. Tom, I'd like to end the show, if you don't mind, uh, with your your final call. We're, we're going to watch it in its entirety. It's it's the video on YouTube where they have you in the upper right-hand corner. So they have like a double box of, of huh. you uh, <laughs> watching uh, the race. I'm sure you've seen this a thousand times. But I think it's a perfect it eight way years...
2: to... Oh, I can't believe that. This is crazy.
0: Uh, Tom, I honestly could not believe this when I, a I this is the 2014 spinaway. I, I just couldn't believe it's been uh eight years. It's a great call. It's condo commando. It's Tom Durkin's last call, and his reaction uh, at the end is fantastic. And then after the video, uh Tom will just close out with your uh final thoughts. Again, this is Tom Durkin's final call, Condo Commando winning the 2014. Spin away, Enjoy his final call, everyone.
5: And they're off. Bonnie K breaking for that lead from that far outside post. Between horses, Darling Sky and Winter Dawn, and they are racing toward the front down the backstretch run. Condo Commando squeezes through an opening down toward the rail. And she's looking for the lead, too. By the Moon is now running in fifth. Angela Renee has come out sixth. She's only about four lengths from the lead. Then a break of four back to Lady Zuzu. And Raya Binka trails the field in the slop a quarter and 22 and 2. And it's Kondo Commando, the leader as the field moves into the far turn. Bonnie Kay is on the chase second by the moon on the outside. Angela Renee is trying to come on through between horses down toward the inside. Darling Sky. Around the far turn, Condo Commando doing it easily, opening up a two-and-a-half-length lead here. Ran a half and 45 and four-fifths seconds. So it's Condo Commando to catch as they come to the top of the stretch. By the moon is chasing her. Angela Brene has dropped seven lengths off the lead. Then farther back, it's Darling Sky, and it is Condo Commando. Splish! splashing down the stretch here at the spa and she's all alone for the final furlong of the spinaway. and then it's by the moon and farther back angela renee coming down to the finish condo commando was splash tastic by the moon second
4: angela renee third
0: <laughs> there he is enjoying Every moment as you do a little fist pump, there it is, Tom. Boy, just that was just so cool. My only disappointment was I was hoping for a photo finish, Tom. It was a blowout victory, but nonetheless, I'm I was very emotional. And the ceremony afterwards was fantastic. And the sun, coincidentally, Tom came out just in time that day, didn't it?
2: <laughs> I, I left the booth and I had an umbrella, and it was raining sideways. And by the time I had made my way down to the winter circle for that, uh, uh a very touching ceremony uh yeah. the rain stopped and i got to uh give my speech without an umbrella yeah it was good
0: and tom the, the last thing that i want you to comment on is in your speech um you thank the fans that was the the main thing you were it was very heartfelt it was very emotional uh talk about what the fans throughout the years have meant to you uh throughout your career
2: well i mean the there's no horse racing without horse players. Uh, that's just the beginning and the end. And, uh, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm proud to be a horse player and, uh, you know, you, can, you can't, you can't, know, why we should do everything we can for racing fans. I mean, there's no, nobody's got a job otherwise.
0: Uh, Tom, I, I can't thank you. Pete, any final questions or thoughts for, uh, for Mr. Dirk? And I feel guilty saying Tom, Ooh.
1: <laughs> no, I think I think that's a good way to end it. I think they, I don't want to. We don't want to waste it on another one.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> Tom, everyone here. Uh, I, I speak for myself. Uh, Pete Visco, my co-host Paul Halloran. Um, everyone who's involved with the show, we can't thank you enough for coming on and spending an hour plus with us here on the HHH Racing Podcast. We'd love to have you on another time when the, when the time is appropriate. And we wish you uh, you know continued uh, enjoyment of your retirement and all those things you do and your, your new comedy routine, which we'll, we'll look for at the appropriate time. Someone needs to call Tom and get him a comedy show. So we, we'd love to hear that as well, but uh, good luck to you, sir. And stay healthy and stay well. All right, I got to to bed. I got an eight o'clock tea time tomorrow. So let's go. All right. Well, even better. Keep your head down and hit the ball straight and uh, good luck tomorrow. Tom, thank you very much. Hey, I'll tell you one more story just before
2: we go. One more, please. About the golf. So uh, I'm, um, hosting a owner view event, uh, in Lexington. And our our guest speaker is Gary player. Wow. And so, uh, introduced him, he comes up, gives a speech, pretty long speech. And he gave advice to everybody about doing everything, how to raise your kids, how to raise a horse, uh, how to save money, uh, every other thing. So he exits the stage and, and he goes, sits in the front row. And I go, Gary, thank you for all that advice. I really appreciate it. And this goes to what you said before. I, I want I, I, All that advice, thank you. I want to give you two pieces of advice, Gary. One, keep your left arm straight. Two, keep your head down. And Gary, you do that. Someday you could be a good golfer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good That's advice. I think he probably did that a few times in his career. What a Once or twice guy. Tom, thanks for sharing everything with us. We really appreciate it. Pete, I think it would be appropriate to leave Tom on the show as we end. Uh, tomorrow night, everyone, we have uh, Andrew Champagne, a fantastic handicapper, with us. It's going to be a half an hour earlier. It's going to be 7.30 Eastern Standard Time tomorrow, Thursday night. We're going to go through the late pick five at Saratoga like a glove. So please join us tomorrow night, Thursday, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time with our special guest, Andrew uh champagne for pete visco and fantastic tom durkin this has been howard kravitz of the hhh racing podcast episode 164 everyone have a fantastic evening thanks for joining us everyone
1: good night thank you tom